Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Happy Easter to everyone. Hope everyone is uh, fully stuffed with Easter eggs and has had a really nice weekend in, in the glorious sunshine that we've had um, down, down south. Anyway, I'm, um, I'm my parents actually. I'm not sure what it's been like in Sheffield. What, what's the weather been like for you, Mark? Yeah, really nice. Yeah, I was sunbathing as well, I think, on Saturday. So it's been beautiful. Yeah, like 20 degrees, sunny. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. I mean, I have to admit, under this lighting, I look a bit like a ghost. Uh, <laughs> we, look, we look quite white, uh, very kind of ghostly in, in this kind of lighting. It's not my usual kind of look. But anyway, hope everyone is doing well. Um, yeah, of course, we're back for match 30 uh, review of the Bundesliga. Lots to get through, some important games and results, of course. Um, and indeed, as uh, we are backed up. We are in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes, um, obviously a fantastic company that we've been in partnership with all season long. We've done a couple of give giveaways with them along the way. Um, so I hope you managed to go check them out and get yourself uh, an authentic German football T-shirt maybe for the end of the season. Um, so as well, please do, you know, Join in the chat. Uh, come on over if you're watching from uh, from Twitter or just join, uh, join in the conversation in general. Please drop us a like and, uh, of course, do subscribe to the channel for more content, uh, which we're bringing out on a regular basis. Me and Mark have got loads of stuff to do with regards to the Bundesliga show. Uh, and, of course, we've got League One, League Two show and something very special coming tomorrow uh, with regards to a, a reunion show, uh, which is a brilliant um, thing that we've managed to kind of get a hold of which will maybe give you a few more details of at the end of the show uh but yeah straight over to you mark let's do some scores first of all yeah absolutely obviously week 30 quite a big uh week in the the bundesliga calendar like the truly now into the final home run the last four games now coming up as of ahead of this week so yeah Start no Friday games this week, obviously, because it was Good Friday over here and bank holiday means no football here usually. But yeah, Saturday we had an action-packed day with Dortmund smashing Wolfsburg 6-1 on the Saturday afternoon kickoff. Freiburg with a very comfortable 3-0 win over Bochum. Yeah, Rory's boy Stuttgart got a decent point at Mainz, but was it enough? Because obviously at the same time, Hertha Berlin got a massive win away in Augsburg 1-0 which obviously leads to Stuttgart now be good, dropping back into that bottom three ahead of the last four games of the season. FC Köln with another brilliant performance, this time a 3-1 win over Gladbach away from home. Moving on to the Sunday games, Bayern take another big step towards the title with a comfortable 3-0 win in struggling Bielefeld. Union Berlin, you know, not out of Champions League contention yet with a comfortable 2-0 win over Europa League experts, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Then, yeah, Hoffenheim continued to falter with a 0-0 board draw, really, let's be honest, this one against Furt. Not many chances at all in that game. Then RB Leipzig rested a lot of players, but it didn't affect them at all. They still managed to get a massive top four win away in Leverkusen. Their season just continues to gather momentum, doesn't it, under uh, Tedesco? What a season they're having now ahead of the, obviously, the Pokal semi-final against Union Berlin this week. So yeah, let's um, yeah let's get cracking straight away with the uh, featured four today. So yeah, obviously 
quite clear, I think, this week. Not so many good games, but there were definitely good games amongst them that, that we were able to pick out and dissect in more detail. So the first of them was, you know, it's it's high-flying Freiburg's 3-0 win over VFL Bochum. I mean, we've been thinking all season, haven't we? When is it going to stop for Freiburg? We've just been thinking, you know, eventually it's going to come. Eventually they're going to hit, like, you know, the buffers and it's going to fall apart. But it just hasn't at all, has it? Now, obviously, as of Leverkusen defeat, they're now only one point behind fourth place with four games to go. And the fixtures are mixed as well. You know, I mean, they're not the worst run of fixtures. So is Champions League out of the question for, for Freiburg? Certainly Europa League looks big favourite as things stand, which is still a massive achievement for a club. Obviously, Christian Streich has just had an absolutely brilliant season, a brilliant career at Freiburg. Let's remember, this is not the first time. He, he has uh, finished fifth before. I think about six, seven years ago, they finished fifth, uh, just narrowly losing out to Schalke in that fourth spot that year. Obviously, Schalke nowadays playing the trade in this fight to Bundesliga, so we can see which direction both the sides have gone but as for the game I mean it was just a demolition to be honest with you from the very first moment really Freiburg just flew out of the block absolute sellout as well in the stadium I mean what an effort really I think it's a uh, close to 40,000 capacity the new stadium for Freiburg and they sold it out completely for a game against Bolcom is a great effort with all due respect obviously to Bolcom but yeah, as for the game itself, it just started off absolutely flying, didn't it? And it was mostly that man, uh, Roland Salai, for me. He was the absolute key man in this game. And they actually took the lead very, very early on. It was Nicholas Herfler providing a nice little assist for the right back, actually, Kubler, who doesn't get that many goals. But, you know, one of the strengths of Freiburg is they do, they do spread the goals around the team a lot, don't they? And he curled in a really nice effort from the, the side of the box, comfortably beating um, the Bolton goalkeeper for 1-0 just inside five minutes. So they flew out of the blocks. And to be honest, it could have been more even earlier than it actually was as well. And it was, uh, I think, Wu Yong Jong had a shot narrowly wide. He played really well in this game. And it was actually him who turned provider for that man, the man of the match, Roland Salai. There was a bit of uh, contention for this one because there were a couple of hard tackles in the midfield leading up to this game. Uh, this goal. I think Bolkham wanted a foul in there. I think it was from um, Eggerstein, went in with a really hard tackle in one of them. Uh, in my opinion, it was a fair tackle. I think he won the ball fair and square, really. But I think nowadays it's borderline, you know, because there was quite a lot of force behind it. Eventually, that tackle fell to that man, Wu Yong Jong, who played a nice little ball again into the right side of the box. And really good finish from Roland Salai, who uh, finished it with the low drive in off the post, the far post. For 2-0 inside 60 minutes. So, you know, you could see just the way Freiburg played in this game. I mean, they could have had more well before half time, couldn't they? Uh, a few good good saves from Riemann, obviously in the um the Balkan goal, but it was so comfortable all the way through, really. I think in the first half, only a couple of half chances for Sebastian Polter, really, the the Balkan striker. That was all the uh, Balkan really mustered up. Then, Rory, it was pretty much much of the same really in the second half, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I think they were fairly comfortable, weren't they, in the first half? And that, that continued. Um, obviously, Salai got his second second of the game and the third of the contest for Freiburg. Um, good header, actually, some, um, after some good work by Wu Yong Jong. Um, got himself free down the left-hand side and provided a nice cross. And like, and like you said, basically, there should have been more goals for Freiburg. 
I think Nico Schlotterbeck missed an absolute city, didn't he, from a free kick after the ball was played back to him. Um, had, had the entire goal to aim at and he managed to hit it straight at uh, Ryman in net. Um, so he stayed at 3-0. Um, but yeah, well, I say it only got worse, but not on the scoreline because uh, staff, the leaders, uh, the Greek midfielder, was sent off for Balkan. Um, for for what was probably you get called it as a an overexcited challenge, maybe. Um, like he's just, yeah, he went in hard, but ooh, yeah, it might not have been a red card back in the day, I suppose, if that's what you want to call it. And then I think um, the coach Rice was also sent off, wasn't yeah. he? But uh, I think that's the first time that's happened. All season uh, for a manager to get a straight red card, anyway. Um, so that was a an interesting one, and yeah, just a day to forget for Balkan. Yeah, they are safe, aren't they? Really, um, I'm not sure if it's mathematically done, but they are. Um, so that obviously was a day to forget for them. Freiburg, yeah, look really, really strong. There's absolutely no reason why they can't push on and get this fourth place finish. I feel, I always feel it would be wrong. For Leverkusen not to get it, but I guess at the end of the day, if you don't come forth, you don't deserve it. Um, but yeah, they must be really bricking it right now. Um, and Leverkusen look really strong for third, don't they? Obviously, because of their win, so it's all up in the air right now. Um, but Freiburg have got a brilliant chance to get themselves amazingly Champions League football. Yeah, I mean, if they manage to do that, I mean, Christian Streich, what a job he's done, you know. But in, in a kind of weird way over here in Germany, it's almost expected that Freiburg are going to punch above the weight nowadays, you know. It's such is a job that Strike's done over the years, you know. I mean, I'm not saying that people expected them to be fifth, but a lot of people do expect them to be, you know, eighth, ninth, kind of around there in the table. And that, that with the budget that they've got, I mean, it just proves how well they've done, you know, because again, they sold some key players. Santa Maria left in the summer. He was their best midfielder from last season. They brought in Eggestein. It's just like, you know, the gift that keeps giving, really, uh, Freiburg, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, they're just absolutely brilliant. 51 points from 30 games is just a ridiculous points tally for them like 1.7, 1.8 points per game. And if they can continue that, we know about Leverkusen, you know, they're not known to be the best team under pressure, are they? Let's be honest. And I agree with you, Rory. I think Leverkusen have had a really good season, but they have slipped up in a few games that they should have won. Yeah. And that ultimately, I mean, Freiburg, everyone's been thinking, you know, they're going to drop off eventually, but it's just not happened, basically, as it has of yet. And by the look of it, it's not going to happen at all. And I think probably three wins from the last four have get them Champions League football, in my view. But, I mean, it's still a big ask for them to win three of the last four games, you know. But I think that should be the aim. You know, nine, ten points from those last four games, and I think they'll get it, to be honest. And that will be one of the best achievements, you know, in a long time in the Bundesliga, that's for sure. Okay. So, yeah, let's swiftly move on to game three of the four, which is quite a predictable, really, this one. It was that uh, 3-0 win for Bayern in Bielefeld. I think me and Rory, I think you predicted a 3-0. I went for a 2-0, I think. So, I think... You know, most people kind of predicted this one as the first result, really. I guess most people would have had that down on the accumulators. But yeah, to be honest, I thought in the game itself, you know, it wasn't the most comfortable 3 0 you're ever going to see, especially in the first half. I thought, you know, uh, Bayern, you know, obviously they, they've fallen out of Europe now. I think the news in midweek as well was the fact that Nagelsmann's been receiving death threats as well online. Yeah, which, you know, that was kind of quite shocking, really. But 
I have heard that a lot of Bayern fans are not that pleased with what he's been doing recently. And I think we talked about it on the, the show last week that, you know, a lot of fans, especially the more international fans, not so much like the diehard fans that go to games, you know, that really follow the club. But obviously Bayern Munich is an international club nowadays, you know, and it's like they've got fans from all over the world. And those are the kind of fans that can sometimes get a bit annoyed, you know, when they when they drop out of the Champions League to Villarreal. So... I'm not condoning the fact that like he's been getting death threats at all, and apparently even his mother's been getting death threats yeah. as well, which is quite shocking. But I guess that's just the culture nowadays of online social media and stuff. Old warriors, yeah, yeah. It, it's very sad, but I mean, it kind of shows that all's not right at Bayern at the moment. But yeah, moving back onto the game, I mean, yeah, I thought uh, they actually started quite well, to be honest with you, the home side. You know, Okugawa looked close to back to his old, old form. He had a couple of shots just over, well hit. Yeah, but it, it was obviously quite an early goal in the end that, that gave them the lead. But actually, just before that as well, a, a ridiculous save as well from uh, from Ortega. I mean, that was just how the that ball didn't get over the line. I'll never know, you know, because it literally, it was a brilliant header from Lewandowski, like... Ortega had a massive palm onto the bar, didn't he? But it looked, when you watched it, you thought it's got to fall the other side of the bar, you know, because it, the ball was like four-fifths of the way over the line or yeah. something. But somehow it came back the other way, like with the spin. And I don't know if it was like really, really good goalkeeping or a bit of luck, to be honest, for Bielefeld, that one. Probably a bit of both, really. But yeah, the, the good luck they had perhaps in that, that case obviously fell apart a few minutes later when Jacob Lawerson, you know, converted a, an own goal. You know, I think it was, a, it was a good pullback actually from Davis, I think it was. Yeah, and it was a great pullback and it actually hit Lawerson and pretty clumsy defending really, let's be honest. And it bundled into the back of the net, uh, albeit they went to VAR to check whether it was onside, which it obviously was. Then, um, yeah, I mean... Can he do better there? Probably yes. And that's the kind of problem that Bielefeld have had quite a lot recently. Just some really clumsy defending in key moments. And, you know, obviously that was 1-0. But then, you know, Okagawa had a couple of good chances as well. I think one other moment that has to be mentioned as well was obviously the um, the Bayern Munich centre-half. I mean, he absolutely clattered the Bielefeld player, didn't he? Um he literally had to go off injured after after the incident. Yeah, Tangai um, absolutely smashed him, literally. For me, that should have been a red card, really. Would you agree with that, Rory, or do you think it was a fair decision? No, that was not a fair decision. That was a red <laughs> card. Uh, that was clearly a player that has gone in from a distance, has not gone towards... He has not got the ball. He's gone in with his elbow. He, yeah, I, Everything and because there was such a break in time, because of the player, I can't remember what Bielefeld player it was that got injured actually, but he was down for so long because he literally got elbowed in the neck from distance. Yeah. Like that is going to hurt anyone. He, he was, I think, he got taken straight to hospital and he was given the all clear. But I mean, how is that a yellow card? Um, I mean, <laughs> from a Stuttgart's fans' point of view, of course, like I wanted. Bayern to win the game so that Bielefeld didn't go ahead of my team. But you have to be honest in those situations. And I remember tweeting about it. It was a clear red card. And how there was no proper VAR check is a complete mystery. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of things went the wrong way for Bielefeld in that first half. Tight VAR calls. The Okagawa equaliser obviously was given a 
given as VAR offside just. And then uh, obviously the second goal was also given as VAR for Bayern uh, just about as well. So, yeah, it it was really unfortunate. But it probably wasn't the one game that Bielefeld were targeting to win. But the problem is they've now only got four games to target to win. So time is running out for them uh, really badly, unfortunately. And they're, they're looking like they're struggling because... They just can't score goals. I know you don't expect to score bucket loads against Bayern, but at the same time, they gave them so many opportunities to score because they were defending really poorly. Um, I think the one thing that summed it all up for me was right at the end of the game, Bielefeld were breaking and had a brilliant, I think it was two on, like three on two chance. And I think it was your old man, actually, um, Mark. I think it was uh, Robin Hack. Mm-hmm. Came on, brilliant chance to get the ball out of his feet and strike it inside the penalty area. Instead, he decides to cut inside and then just mess around with it and get tackled. So, yeah, that that kind of summed up what, you know, what Bielefeld are currently right now. So, yeah, they're really struggling and Bayern are kind of sleepwalking towards the title at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, the crazy thing is they even went out more attacking as well, Bielefeld, in this yeah. game. You know, they played Vimmer in a more attacking position. Obviously, one of the few players who can actually score goals for Bielefeld. You know, I mean, Yanni Serres just not worked out for the lad, has it? Let's be honest, you know. He's been given the chance this second half of the season that we were calling for, to be fair, on the show. But he just doesn't seem to have the finishing touch in the Bundesliga. I think he's got only one goal in the second half of the season and that's all, you know which is just not enough when he's been given like pretty much a free reign in that position. Even if you look at the players that have come in for him at times, like Lazmer, he's not been good enough. You know, it's just, it's just Robin Hack has really disappointed me as well. Because at Nuremberg, he was considered to be a really, really good player, you know, and everyone was like, you can, to be honest, it was almost seen as a bit of a coup for Bielefeld to get him, actually, because he was one, definitely without doubt, one of the best players in the Bundesliga the two previous seasons before he joined Bielefeld, but just not worked out for the ladder. As far as I know, he's not scored a single goal or even providing an assist this season, incredibly, which is just not good enough at the end of the day, is it? And yeah, as you say, the second half was a bit more of a procession, really, I thought, you know, but it was that man, Jamal Musialo, the German commentators were saying was the man of the match in this game. They were convinced that he was the best player on the pitch in this match, obviously finishing from uh, Lewandowski's pass. One of the rare games that Lewandowski didn't get a goal as well in this one. Even he's kind of gone off form a little bit the last month or so, hasn't he, I would say. I mean, he's not so much, he's still been getting the odd goal, but he's not exactly been like, you know, raising the roof like he usually does, let's be honest. So it's, um, but yeah, it's another win. The nine points clear with only, um, you know, four games to go now. They're going to win the title. They'll want to do it, obviously, next. Next week in Dortmund, home to Dortmund as well. I think that that's probably one way that they could, you know, finish the season on a high. But it's not really been the season that perhaps they were hoping for. I wouldn't say, especially the first half when we were raving about Bayern, weren't we? Mm-hmm. We were saying that yeah. you know they're going to be potentially go to the next level under Nagelsmann, but it's just not worked out this second half of the exactly. season. And I'm not sure really whether you can consider the um, this season to have been a full success for the. Uh, the Bayern, really. What would you say, Rory? Would you say this season has been a success for Bayern or would you say it's been a bit underwhelming at times? Uh, I suppose they're just doing the bare minimum, aren't they? So I had to nip off screen to let my family's cat in the house again as she was squawking at me. Um, Yeah, I think Bayern have done the absolute bare minimum, uh, as in they're going to win the title. Um, But, well, maybe the bare minimum is to win the double every single year, which is obviously such a ridiculously high 
expectation, but that's what their fans expect uh, and want. So, yeah, maybe they're just below par uh, this season. Uh, they were looking like, you know, they were going to set the world alight, like we mentioned, first half of the season, but that's kind of dwindled. Um, and like I said, I think they're kind of just kind of stuttering towards the title, um, which has probably been... Well, obviously, they've earned it. They're the best team in Germany, and that is obvious. Um, but at the same time, if teams like Dortmund were a more consistent team or if Tedesco had come into Leipzig earlier on this season, then who knows? But, yeah, it will be titled number 10 for them very soon. Um, but, yeah, it's been fairly more of a kind of average, I guess, uh, performance in this uh, Rook Runda, but who knows what we'll see, uh, obviously, in the summer and, and what kind of beast they may be come next season. Yeah, I've got to say, though, next season, I think Leipzig could potentially overhaul them. I really do, from what I've seen this year. Under Tedesco, I just think they've been, they're just literally tearing it down at the moment, aren't they? They could potentially end up with a double under the belt as well, more titles than Bayern this season. Obviously, the Bundesliga is the one they really want more than anything, but. You definitely wouldn't turn down a Pokal and a Europa Pokal, that's for sure, you know. So it's a great effort from them. But obviously, we'll have to see if they can keep the players. That's the first point for them, isn't it? As it is every year, really, for the for the kind of contenders. Uh, it's always a case of keeping the players happy and keeping them realising that the club's moving in the right direction, I guess. And also turning down the Premier League and the PSG billions, really, isn't it? So... <laughs> So, yeah, let, let's move on to the next game. And talking to players, you know, that obviously could potentially be leaving the Bundesliga, we've got a few in, in this game, that's for sure. Borussia Dortmund with a 6-1 thrashing of Wolfsburg. I mean, you've just got to be asking yourself again, you know, if you're Wolfsburg, what happened there? Because they actually started this game really, really well. And that man Schlager was just tearing it up for the first half, the first 20 minutes, I should say, you know. And I thought he was brilliant. He, he was really getting involved. I think the thing with Schlager is that he's such a good midfielder because he can provide like uh, the tackles, he can win the ball back, but also he's got that creativity from the middle as well. And I thought we were really seeing him at his absolute best as well. He provided a great chance, which was really, really well saved, ridiculously well saved by Cobell, who, you know, has been really good. And then Gerhardt smashed over the rebound as well, which he's got to be finishing that really, hasn't he? Let's be honest. But then, you know, it's just one of those typical goals from Dortmund. Really, the, the la This season, the one thing they've done well is they have scored goals when you wouldn't expect it and it wasn't really coming. And this was a case in this game. After 24 minutes, just a cornering from the on-form Julian Brandt, who has been brilliant recently, by the way, puts in a really, really good ball for that man, you know, the, the unknown man, Tom Rotter. And he, he heads, makes a really good header across the goal and... You know, that man Castiles, who's basically gone from being the best keeper in the league to the worst keeper in the league in the space of a season, you know, it was nowhere near it, basically. It goes into the back of the net. He's celebrating, you know, first goal for the club, massive moment for the young lad, you know, and obviously it's 1-0. But then you're thinking, you know, Wolfsburg can still get back into this. They've been the better side up until that point. But just a few minutes later, you know, I mean, Haaland, you know, who had one of his better games of the season, that's for sure, this game, just plays a nice little pass in for Witzel, who's already through on goal. But for me, the shot's not really that clean, to be honest. And Castile just kind of dives over the ball, really, you know. And I mean, 
Witzel, he had a really good game in this match, by the way. He was given a standing ovation when he eventually was withdrawn in the second half. But for me, Castiles has got to be saving that, really. Would you agree with that, Rory, on being a bit harsh there? Uh, no, you're not being harsh at all. I think it wasn't one of his better days, was it, um, for, for the man in there, Castiles? I think there was a couple that he... Was it Emre Chan's one as mm. well, the fourth goal, where he kind of... He, he like again, he dives over it or the ball gun goes underneath his, his yeah. outstretched arm. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what's happened to uh, to Castile's recently. Obviously, he's been out for a yeah. decent amount he of time. Per, for a bit, I think. Yeah, because mm. Pervan had been in net for, mm. for a few games as well. So, maybe it's rustiness. But, yeah, it certainly didn't help when Dorman were in such a ruthless mood. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously that man, Akanji, got a goal. Incredibly, it was three goals inside, I think, four minutes and 40 seconds or something like that. And it's just, it, so from basically being having Wolfsburg starting really well, creating chances, to basically being 3-0 down inside 28 minutes with Akanji's uh, finish from Royce's assist. Then, as you say, just after 35 minutes, you know, they still can't settle. And it's another horrible mistake from Castile's. Just a kind of pot shot, really, from Emery Chan, who's not really known for being a great striker of the ball, is he? He kind of skidded one of those difficult low ones, but you'd, you'd always expect the keeper to save it, and then maybe someone can tap on the rebound. But, I mean, Castile's just kind of, again, he gets his hand onto it, but it goes underneath his hand and into the bottom corner. You know, that's two that should easily have been saved, basically. And, you know, by that point, it's 4 nil. Then just a few minutes later, obviously, really, really nice assist from Marco Royce, who again was really, really good in this game. He's the evergreen, really, in Marco Royce. You can guarantee that he's always going to be turning good performances year in, year out. And this season's been no different from Marco Royce. He turned in a good uh, assist, uh, just tapping the ball past Castillo's. And then basically Haaland, probably the easiest goal he's going to score this season, just tapped it in. He he also gave all the credit to Royce. He was clapping and like patting. Royce on the back. He knew that that wasn't really his goal. It was all about Royce, but it was an important goal for him because it was his first goal in quite a while, actually. It was, uh, I think, since match day 19, incredibly, mm -hmm. because he'd, he'd had seven games missing and then he hadn't scored in his three uh, since then. So, yeah, it's been a good while since he scored in the league. But, yeah, obviously got his goal and then Rory was, uh, you know, second half was just a bit more of a procession, really, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, the game was over, wasn't it, by half time? Um, but there was still time for Haaland to grab himself another um, quite a nicely worked goal, actually. Um, uh, obviously, there was a bit of a nice interchange in play uh, between him and Royce and Brandt, and then obviously he smashed it in. Uh, obviously, inside uh, the six-yard box, um, and then yeah, not, not obviously not much happened. I think. Um, Wolfsburg hit the hit the crossbar uh, at one point by from Franks, and then obviously they did get themselves a consolation goal from Riedel Baku, who has been probably one of the few Wolfsburg players who's been playing uh, up to his standard in recent times. He probably didn't start the season as well, um, but yeah, obviously you know, the game is done for Wolfsburg and. Uh, yeah, strange team at the moment. Uh, it sounds like um, they're going to stick with Kofelts for now, uh, for, from what I've heard um, in the whispers and such coming out of the club. Uh, looks like he's going to be backed. Well, uh, there's probably no point in getting rid of him until the end of the season unless things go really, really badly wrong. But there's only four games left, so I guess they're kind of stuck with it. 
Um, I mean, if they even if they lose all four games, I'm guessing they probably still wouldn't get relegated. But it is close. To be fair, um, they're on 34 points, and Stutt- well, if we're talking even being in a relegation battle, Stuttgart are further eight points behind them. Um, sorry, six points behind them. Um, so. Yeah, if they did lose all four of their games, and one of them does include the game versus Stuttgart, I know that. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll obviously ultimately be in, in grave trouble again. So they do need to sort themselves out uh, very up and down recently, for sure. Um, much the same as Dortmund, but obviously Dortmund is slightly more consistent and, and just sometimes do the stone later teams. Um, makes you kind of think if they could put all this together in one wholesome season that they'd be obviously right up there but they've struggled in the bigger games this season against obviously the better caliber sides like Leipzig and Bayern obviously they lost to Leverkusen as well um so yeah it tricky one for Dortmund but again similarly to maybe Bayern and and quite a lot of other teams they they face another really big um summer ahead obviously with all this stuff about Haaland and and whatnot uh Possibly moving on. Um, if he's not to spend maybe one more season in Germany, he looks a bit fed up to me, doesn't it? Uh, I'm not sure about if you think the same, Mark. Um, but yeah, good, very good win for Dortmund. It will pretty much secure second place for them. Um, and they're just kind of building for next season as well, really. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Haaland's going to be he's in his, his swan song for Dortmund. Obviously, it's been a, a very good uh, two and a half years, but. I just, I'm not sure whether the club will even have that much ambition to keep him really because they've seen before what happens when you can get when you get unhappy players. But for me, the key is who the replacement's going to be. You know, and there are some good potential replacements out there. The likes of Timo Werner, you know, but would he want to leave Chelsea because he still, you know, he still gets a fair bit of game time despite never really scoring for them. But mm-hmm. he's one of those players, Werner. Whenever I see him, you know, for Chelsea, I always think he looks good, but he just doesn't score. That's the problem. yeah, yeah. yeah if you look at him, like, his movement's absolutely brilliant. So it's, outstanding his movement but he just doesn't get the goals does he but mm-hmm. he's one of them then that you just think if he can just hit a good run of form he could go and bang in like 30 in a season you know but it's um and maybe it might be a little bit too much uh for them to get him from chelsea because you know he still does get a lot of game time for chelsea that's for sure but you know they've got to think about a replacement and whether that replacement can come from the bundesliga the likes of Kramerich, you know but I'm not sure that he's quite going to be on the same level. They, they might look to somewhere like Austria again. I think Adamian is it that he he's so-called highly rated. Maybe even Koko as well. Maybe even yeah. Koko could, uh, you know, he's been highly rated for a while and hasn't really had that much game time because of the form of Haaland, you know. So, you know what it's like in Germany. They're not afraid to give these youngsters a run of games, that's for sure. So, you well, never know what they might plan. They've got Knauf as well to come back from yeah. Frankfurt. He's looked really yeah. useful, um, tearing up Barcelona. Um, obviously, yeah. over the course of those two legs, did a really good job um, for that. So just before we move on to, um, obviously, the game of the weekend, there's very a question that's come in from Dan. Um, so thanks very much for your question, Dan. Um, asking, basically, uh, what, what are Dortmund going to be up to next season? Uh, obviously, with no Haaland, Um you know, are, are they going to make a challenge of it? Is it going to be all buy-in? Um, yeah, very good question. What are Dortmund going to be up to next season, Mark? Uh, do you think it all depends on how smart and savvy they are with their Haaland monies? 
Um, no, I, I still think there's enough reason to think Dortmund are going to be good. Yeah, I think often in football we get caught up with just one player. Do you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, football is and always has been about defense just as much as attack. At the end of the day, and Dortmund have always scored goals before yeah. Haaland, and I'm sure they'll score goals after Haaland as well. For me, the key signing could be Sula coming in. Obviously, they've, they've got him already uh, penned down. I think mm -hmm. Dortmund's problem has been the defense uh, in the big games. It, it, with all due respect, they have improved at the second half of the season, actually. I've got to say, Marco Rosa has clearly worked on that. And, but even when you see them against the better teams, you know, we saw them ship five against Leverkusen, four against uh, Leipzig. They just yeah. get ripped apart by the better teams. And I don't think it's a matter of Haaland or not. I really don't. I think they will... Dortmund have always had good strikers, and I don't see Dortmund ever being a side that are going to struggle to score goals for me, you know. Mm -hmm. I think the key is just, it's about improving the quality of performance against the bigger teams mostly, you know, because if you look at them this season, they've beaten pretty much everyone outside of the top four, let's be honest. Okay, the top five, because Freiburg beat them at home as well. But, you know, they, they rarely slip up nowadays against the, the lower teams. You know, and we saw in this game a 6-0 thrash in a Wolfsburg. They put quite a lot of goals past some of the bottom half teams this season, you know. But mm. for me, it's more about, you know, the pressing game's got to be better. You know, the, just the defence in general has got to be better. They need more pace at the back. That's the key for them. And yeah. obviously, it is important that they, they sign a very good replacement for Haaland, of course. But I, I do have trust that they will do that. They've got a very good scouting system. They've never had a problem with that. And I, I don't think it's a matter of Haaland or not at all. But I think as for is it going to be all buying, I really don't. Because as I mentioned before, I think RB Leipzig are really, really looking hot at the moment. It, it's not only the attack, but the defence as well has really impressed me since Tedesco came in. They always had a problem with, you know, just in the big games, they ship goals at bad times, Leipzig. But for me, what we've seen recently has just been outstanding from them. And they've been the team of the rook runder for me, no question about yeah. it. And I think they've got, if they can keep their players, then they've got a real chance of being the uh, the champions next year for me. Yeah, agreed. I think that's fairly good assessment, uh, to be honest, Mark. I won't add any more to that from Dan's question. Well, we've got another one in from John. Uh, so, good evening, John. Thanks for your question uh, regarding is the key to success at Dortmund a good coach? Uh, I'll kind of just adding on to what Dan's asked. Um, I think, obviously, generally speaking, you know, um, I suppose it, a lot of people maybe forget how big the job is in Dortmund in terms of being able to kind of live up to the the mantra of um you know previous coaches and things like that i think a lot of people in england still relate dortmund to jurgen klopp of course uh and like kind of having this really kind of big personality and being able to g up his team and things like that which maybe people don't really see marco rosa uh he's not overly expressive is he in terms of if you compare that to a Stefan Baumgart or, or someone else like that. Um, so, I mean, maybe it's just kind of a case of being uh, how how expressive you are on the pitch. Uh, but whether that makes you a good or a bad coach, I don't know. Uh, I think Marco Rosa still needs time uh, to pinpoint where he wants his team to go in terms of how to play the Dortmund way or to shift, a, you know, shift around a little bit. But... Um, there, of course, there are probably better coaches out there than Marco Rosa, but right now, I think Dortmund need to stick to what they're doing. Uh, and then maybe if there is a chance to bring in someone else at another time, if things don't work out next season, 
by all means, uh, I think they'll go go down that kind of a, an option. Mark, would you vaguely agree with what I just said? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think Marco Rose is a bad coach, but I, I do agree on the point that he's not the most charismatic coach in the world, that's for sure. And that is something that, you know, obviously Klopp and also Tuchel, he was charismatic in a different way, but he still had a lot of, he was very animated on the touchline, yeah. you know, but obviously they're the most famous coaches probably dormant about in the last 20 years or so, you know, and Rose obviously is nowhere near that level yet, but I, I do believe that next season is make or break for him. Though. I think the fans are relatively happy with what he's done this season obviously not so much in Europe Europe was a complete catastrophe for them this season and unacceptable but in the league they have massively improved the points total I think they're going to end up this season with probably like nine ten points more than what they managed last season so there's definitely improvement there but I mean ultimately they've not really pushed Bayern seriously this year and Bayern probably haven't been at their absolute best so you know but I do think that he's been good enough to deserve a second season but you know I think the start is very important for them because if they get off to a bad start, then we could potentially see a sacking round about, you know, October, November time next season, I would imagine. Indeed. Uh, another question that's come in from Steve um, Timms. So, again, thank you very much for your question, Steve. Um, interesting one, this. Has Champions League shown Nagelsmann as being overrated? Uh, because, let's face it, there was a lot of hype about Nagelsmann um, coming in from... From Leipzig into Bayern as this kind of natural progression uh, that he's that he kind of saw and everyone in the Bundesliga saw it coming a long way off. Um, and obviously with the success that Hansi Flick had with Bayern, um, there was always going to be a lot to live up to. There always is. And, you know, if you think Dortmund's a big job, of course, Bayern is a ginormous one as well. So, <laughs> and at the start of the season, we probably both thought that Nagelsmann is not overrated. He's, you know, he's living up to the hype. He's making this team play really well. They were running more so. I think they were covering more distance than they were under Hansi Flick. So kind of being a bit more energetic. Um, so obviously Nagelsmann has a certain way of playing, but maybe they got found out in Europe and they got found out by a really well-organized side in Villarreal. Um, I don't necessarily think that makes him over rated as a as a coach i think that just goes to show that he's got a lot more to learn because he is a young coach as well don't forget that um so i think his time will come uh and i think he'll lead Bayern really well for the rest of his stint as the coach however long that will be uh, i don't know what you think to that one quickly mark about uh nagelsman's kind of you know general skill as a as a head coach and and a manager yeah, I definitely don't think one two-legged tie can say that he's overrated based on that. I think it was obviously, he made mistakes in that tie for sure, you know, and I think they were poor over the two legs. And I think Villarreal absolutely deserved the win overall. They, they were better tactically. And I think in the first leg in particular, they created more chances as well, despite not really showing on the statistics charts so much. Bayern dominated possession as you'd expect, but... I think the key is that he learns from that. Obviously, this was his first season as a Bayern coach with a team that was expected to win the Champions League. But let's remember that this is the guy that just two years ago took RB Leipzig to the semi-final. You know, so yeah. I mean, he has European pedigree, but obviously the pressure was a little bit too much. And in some ways, I think the loss to Villarreal isn't the end of the world because I think Liverpool were probably schooled them on current form, to be honest yeah. with you. And I think they could have even embarrassed them a little bit looking at the way the two teams are playing at the moment. I just think the other problem is 
he has to get used to how to run a season for a top club as well. And you need to be peaking at the right time. I think the problem for Bayern is that they peaked early in the season. And when yeah. they did peak, they were very, very good, as Rory said. I mean, they were outstanding, probably from like September through to early December, maybe. They were brilliant at that time. They were beating teams 4-5-1. They scored the most goals in the group stage in Europe as well. Mm. Annihilated uh, Barcelona home and away. Yeah. Let's be honest, this was, a, this was a team, even Benfica, who had a, obviously went on to make the quarterfinal, they beat them, I think they beat them 5-0 away from home or something like that. So this is the level that this team can reach. I think they might need the squad a little bit of freshening up because it's been pretty much the same team for probably three or four years. And maybe some of those players are, you know, probably uh, they miss Hansi Flake because it was an extremely successful period on the Hansi Flake. Let's not forget that. He's one of the all-time great buying managers, even though he only managed them for like two and a half years. But, you know, this is a guy who got them to win everything and played unbelievable football as well. So it is going to take a bit of time to transition, but they've still won. The, they look like they're going to win the league, buying a massive collapse. And that's still a success at the end of the day. And I think we've got a lot more to come from Nagelsmann in the, ne the next few years, that's for sure. Okay, so let's move on to the game of the weekend and what a game it was as well. It was the Rhine derby, wasn't it, between Borussia Mönchengladbach and FC Köln. I think me and Rory both tipped Köln. The, book, the bookmakers had it round about level this game. You know, Gladbach coming into the game on good form, but it, Köln, just from the very first minute, they were just outstanding. This is a side that are getting better and better. They're not going backwards. They're getting better, literally, you know. I've been crediting them all season and this was one of their best performances as well which just shows the work that Stefan Baumgart's done you know they, they took the lead very very early on in this game through uh, that man Anthony Modest I think that was his 17th league goal of the season as well great assist from Florian Kainz as well who's been one of their players of the season too comfortably tucked away by that man Modest then yeah Mark Ut, who's been one of the kind of unsung heroes of the season really let's be honest because I mean when I saw that they'd sign him, I was like, why? Because the guy had been appalling for the last two seasons at Schalke, really. And, you know, obviously got relegated last season. But he turned provided for a really good second goal from Leipzig. Uh, not from Leipzig, from the FC Köln. And, the, you know, great teamwork as well. Uh, and fantastic goal. Obviously, eventually uh, ended with uh, Ut supplying Kainz, who comfortably finished past Sommer for 2-0 inside 20 minutes. Then it wasn't long before the third goal as well. Again, that man, Ut, turning provider for Lubacic this time, who smashed a really good effort down to the far side of Sommer. This one was checked for VAR because they thought there could have been a foul for a high boot, but it looked as though the, um, yeah, it was clear that uh, the Cologne man got there before the um, uh, Gladbach man. I don't like to see goals disallowed really for that high boot. I think it, sometimes I think referees are a bit too soft on them, uh, if I'm honest with you, you know, but in this case, the, the VAR let it go and you know by that point it was 3-0 before half time and then Rory I think obviously a lot of Gladbach fans left at half time as well they're not happy really with what's going on under Adi Hooter second half was a bit more of a procession really wasn't it yeah very much so um yeah quite a few procession second halves this week yeah. actually um yeah, I mean, Gladbach, they, they tried to obviously, you know, make sure that they didn't concede any more goals for a start, uh, although Modeste almost scored an absolute screamer of a scissor kick. Just goes to show how confident he is at the moment. Um, 
Uh, and, you know, their main goal threat was really coming from Jonas Hoffman, who has been probably their, one of their better players. Uh, twice he basically did the same finish where he kind of like got through on goal and he chipped it or outside the booted it. And both on both occasions, it narrowly went wide of goal uh, of the far post. So that could have, you know, changed it, uh, changed things ever so slightly had either of those goals gone in because one of them was in the first half and one of them was early in the second half, I think. Um, to which obviously then the game drifted. Um, Gladbach got themselves a goal on through a long ball, actually, which is quite an unexpected way that I thought you'd be able to get through this cone defense. Uh, and Bolo showing really good strength, actually, and a good finish uh, to make it 3 1. But yeah, there, it, there wasn't to be for uh, foals. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just couldn't get through the press, uh, of, of Stefan Baumgart's team. Um, Really high intense, like just periods of play where they want to win the ball back. A bit of the model, I guess, that where you see teams trying to win the ball back after they've lost it, after like for you know seven to ten second press, where they all just go mad and chase the ball and try and win it back, regardless of where the ball is. If it's high up the pitch, low, you know, close to their goal, etc. And then they, if if they fail to do that, then get back into shape and make it really hard to get through the lines. Um, on the occasions where. Gladbach did get through the the lines of the press. They had quite a lot of space, but they were quite wasteful. Uh, they didn't get play out into the game at all. He was getting frustrated. Uh, I think he got a yellow card late on in the game for a, for a foul as well, just showing how frustrated he was because um, obviously he's been on really good form. They missed Chiram because of either injury or COVID. I'm not sure which. Um, so, yeah, uh, not a lot of happy Gladbach fans. Um and, you know, yeah, the Billy Goats are, you know, striding towards potentially a European place or adventure for next season, which would be amazing for them. Um, uh, obviously, we'll cover um, them in, in a second with regards to our talking point, uh, probably a bit more quickly. Um, but yeah, brilliant performance from from them. They're in, they're in having a great season playing really good football, um, you know, the crosses that, that they kind of produce and the aerial kind of onslaught, which has been coming up usually obviously leads to a lot of goals. So, yeah, they've been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we might as well go straight on to our talking point of the week because obviously that is also on the, on the same topic, basically. So, yeah, the Bundesliga Boxes talking point of the week is, um, yeah, should Stefan Baumgart be considered for manager of, the receipt, manager of the season? So obviously Stefan Baumgart, for those of you that don't know, if you've watched our show, you probably will know he is the FC Cologne manager in his first season as well at the club. I mean, yeah, where, where should you start, really? I mean, this is a club that have literally gone from 16th last season with a, a pretty pathetic points tally of 33 from 34 games. You know, they, they just about stayed up uh, via a 5-1 win. It actually, it all happened due to one game, basically, yeah, didn't it? Because they lost way. the home game. They lost the home game 1-0 against Holstein Kiel. They all looked, they looked done for, basically. And then on a sunny afternoon in Kiel, they finally turned in one of their only good performances of last season to stay up with a 5-1 thrashing at Kiel in that situation. But what we've seen this season, obviously, they decided for a, a new coach, you know, Stefan Baumgart. For obviously, his only previous experience in the Bundesliga was with Paderborn. 
you know, obviously a team much smaller than um, than the, uh, the Cologne as well. But obviously he'd done enough to persuade the Cologne board that he was good enough. Obviously the man from East Germany as well. You've got to remember that this is a guy that was born in the DDR as well. The, the, the other side of the Iron Curtain, so to speak. Yeah, so... But yeah, I'll pass it over to you, Rory. I mean, have you been impressed with what you've seen and should he be considered for the manager of the season, would you say? He should definitely be in contention. Yeah, or as you mentioned, he's taken a team that were almost relegated um, from 16th to 7th place right up to being one point off Union Berlin uh, in 6th place. Um, as I was kind of alluding to, the way that they play football this season has been really impressive, like really high energy want to dominate the ball uh, by, you know, winning the ball back really quickly. And and I think they've got, uh, so they've got the most intent, number of intense runs in the Bundesliga uh, with 22,666. Um, and of course, that kind of other form or the way that they play in terms of being really physical, um, either with the press or with the way that they kind of use uh, the ball in the air. So they do a lot of crosses. Uh, so they're second for the amount of uh, crosses that come in from open play. And um, oh, sorry. Um, and yeah, they're, they're sixth in terms of winning duels uh, and second for aerial duels as well. So that just kind of really nicely summarises the way that they've been playing under Baumgart. Um, he is brilliant value to watch um, on the sidelines. So if you ever catch a game, uh, whether it's on Sky Sports or, or anything else um, that, that you're watching on in England, make sure you watch an FC game because he is fantastic value, enigmatic, really like kind of a carbon copy of uh, a, a clop or a or a tuchel or someone like that very um animated um and yeah, yeah he's got he's got a tune out of a team that weren't really doing much um kind of all these unexpected players like you mentioned mark anthony modest coming back to the club mark oot's been really good alongside those kind of attacking exciting attacking players like lubicic killian uh, Florian Kynes, uh, Andre Duda as well has been really good with that compact nature with Jonas Hector and, and Lee Skiri as well in the middle. Um, so they've been a fantastic team to watch. Um, really good value uh, for, you know, they're performing well above what you'd expect them. I can't remember for the life of me what I predicted where they'd finish the season. I probably said at the start of the season, maybe 13th or 12th or something like that. But uh, yeah, if they get European football, what an achievement that would be. Because um, basically, in a normal season or in the Premier League, if they came 16th, they would have been in the second division by now. And imagine if they did lose to Holstein Kiel, we wouldn't have had all this fun this season <laughs> with the likes of Anthony Modest stealing Baumgart's flat cap and all sorts of things <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, he's been a breath of fresh air, really, to, to the Bundesliga in terms of one of the best head coaches so far and he'll be well up there i'm sure when uh, when they come to do the awards um and when we do our awards evening as well yeah absolutely i think the man management as well has got to be as well as the ta obviously the, the tactical awareness as well the man management because anthony Modest was pretty much seemed to be past it well and truly past it do you know what i mean i, I think last season he barely even got like he was a cripple basically you know i think they signed him two years ago but most people didn't even realise that because I think he only got on the pitch like three or four times as a sub last season. The guy looked completely done for. This year he's banging 16 league goals with four games to go. 
You know, he's not even played every game because obviously I think he's like 33 now. Mm-hmm. But the form of him has been unbelievable. Florian Kainz is not far off uh, probably teams of the season this year has been that good. You know, I mean, assists, goals. Shakiri as well, he's another one. What a season he's had. He's been absolutely brilliant. The defensive midfielder. You know, probably most of the games that they've actually lost, they've only lost eight games in 30, which is a very low, you know, just over 25% of the games they've lost. Mm-hmm. And most of them have probably been when he's not been playing, actually, because, you know, he is very key to the team, the defensive midfielder. You know, Benno Schmitz as well has been really good. They've even found a new goalkeeper in Schweber as well. Yeah. You know, obviously, Timo Horn's been their keeper since, Jesus, right. like, as long yeah. as I've been following German football, I think, which has been quite a while. I mean, it must be over 10 years he's been the... the keeper for um, the side. And to be honest, I thought he was a little bit unlucky because I, I never thought he was a poor keeper, to be honest with you. But Schweber has come in and he's, you know, a young uh, young blood. He's been absolutely brilliant since he came in. He only got in the team because Horn got uh, COVID, I think, and he's been so good. that like he's kept the, the veteran out of the team, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just... It's just, it's almost like an old school team, really, you know. A lot of the players are German players as well. So it's like, you know, they don't have that much of an international flair. You know, obviously, Marku, Kainz, Erskan, uh, Hector, Hubers, Kilian, Schweber, Schmidt, all German uh, players, you know. And it's, you know, they're almost like a kind of old school team, but the style of football is great. They scored 44 goals in 30 games, which is a great number. And to be honest, I can see them bulking up that points tally even more. If you look at the rest of their games this season, you know, they've got Bielefeld, Stuttgart, Augsburg still to play. I don't see any reason why they can't win at least two, three more of the next five, uh, the next four. So, mm-hmm. you know, we could see them finish sixth or even they're not out of the race for even fourth completely yet, you know. Six points adrift of fourth. If they win every game, who knows what can happen, you know. But yeah, fantastic season, fantastic club. Great fans as well, I've got to say, like 54,000 every game. Yeah, what a season they've had. Agreed, yeah, and I think that is a nice way to finish the show uh, on such a positive note. So, yeah, it's been very enjoyable again. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in and for the questions. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll sign off um, just to let you know that we have recorded uh, uh, with our friends from the Zweite Bundesliga podcast as well. So we have that ready to come out and that will come out on Wednesday, we reckon. Uh, of course, we've got lots going on in the channel this week. Of course, tomorrow we have the the Spanish uh, show going on, the Spanish La Liga reunion show, which uh, I believe there's been lots of stuff going on on Twitter about. I believe it's happening around 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. So make sure you check that out. That'll be really enjoyable to see. Um, and yeah, we've got a Derby Day dive in primed and ready to come out. We were going to probably do it this weekend, but we had the Ryan Derby, so we thought we'd roll that one back out. So that'll come out at the weekend. So lots going on. We're going to be restructuring and doing all sorts of different bits and bobs with our Monday and Thursday show as well for the end of the season, all sorts of end of season shows. So we're going to be very busy, Mark, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to obviously uh, just remind you guys as well, this is a massive breakthrough for the channel as well this tomorrow. Um, You know, I mean, it's literally from what I can gather is that it's going to be like a basically a a return of Revista de la Liga, which is I don't know if any of you uh, watch that, but I remember watching that 
maybe 15 years ago, you know, back when Spanish football to me was better than German. But obviously nowadays German is uh, the absolute king for me. But yeah, I, I always used to watch a lot of Spanish football. And we, we've got the likes of Jerry Armstrong, Graham Hunter, Guillaume Balaguer as well is going to be on there. I mean, what a all on over the bars channel. I mean, for any of you Spanish football fans, this is going to be an absolute feast, you know. So, yes. you know, put your work pens down, tell your boss you're sick. And uh, <laughs> sign in for Over the Bars uh, show tomorrow. It's an absolutely massive thing, you know. It's uh, and I think a few of you have been asking for a bit more Spanish stuff as well, and you've well and truly got it tomorrow because you've got the the best in the game of English speaking journalists uh, talking about Spanish football tomorrow. It's actually twelve to two o'clock uh, Greenwich Mean Time. That we're going to be doing that. Yeah. Anyone watching from Europe, it'll be 12 midday. Sorry, no, it'll be 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. Uh, European time. Yeah. You know, you can watch it live or obviously look out for it on the uh, recorded version as well if you don't have time due to work commitments or whatever. But yeah, uh, if you enjoyed anything that we saw today, you saw today, remember to follow our channel and also check out our Twitter at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Um, yeah, remember to check out our main page as well, which is uh, otbfootball.net. And obviously, remember to like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, any of you guys watching tomorrow as well, like remember to subscribe there as well because, um, you know, we've gone into a lot of effort to try and get this to go ahead tomorrow and it's a, a big breakthrough for the channel. But also, you know, keep watching our Bundesliga stuff as well, of course. We've got, as Rory said, a lot coming out for you, a bumper end to the season. So, yeah. Good times for the channel. So we'll see you again on Thursday. So see you then, guys. Ciao.